head into the Ringerverse to stay up to date with all things superheroes and nerd culture entertainment. Hosted by a rotating lineup of superfans at the Ringer, including Mallory Rubin and Van Lathan, shows will provide instant reactions to blockbuster releases, insightful backstories on canon, and mind-bending theories, as well as fresh takes on the latest news and rumors. Check out the Ringerverse on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. At Walt Disney World Resort, magic is found in spontaneity. The unplanned, the unexpected. An inside joke born in the Haunted Mansion queue. A surprise stitch sighting in Tomorrowland. Watching fireworks from your room. These memories aren't made from predetermined plans, but manifested from simply being. Present and together in the most magical place. Find your moment at Walt Disney World Resort. Welcome to a special weekend edition of the Ringer NBA show. My name is Kevin O'Connor and I hopped on with my boss, Bill Simmons, on Spotify Greenroom. And we recorded a live conversation right after Sham Sharania from The Athletic dropped a report about Ben Simmons and James Harden having traction. Uh, So we talked about what we're hearing in that situation, what to watch for this next week, and what we predict will happen by deadline day Thursday afternoon with Harden and Ben Simmons. Here's our conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on Spotify Greenroom today. Got Bill Simmons in the house. He gave me a a call, Bill, and we decided why not just have this call happen live on Greenroom to talk about the latest report between the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers with some James Harden, Ben Simmons stuff. Sham Sharania reported that the Nets are now open to listening to offers for James Harden and that with Harden, uh, there's some challenges with their offense. They get two different systems with Harden on the court, with Harden off the court, and the team would like to play more of a, a consistent style than what Harden can do for them. Bill, what what are you hearing with the latest here with Harden and Simmons? Um, what are we going to be watching for this next week uh, with what could be a massive blockbuster deal? First of all, very professional intro, KFC. Very I thought really, really sounded like <laughs> serious, weighty, and it brought it to the table. I'm just, I'm doing this green room. I have a strained hand. I heard, uh, I heard my, oh no, that's sorry. That's James Harden. <laughs> um, yeah, look, there's been breadcrumbs really. The story drops, what, two weeks ago or a week and a half, whatever it was. And I was really suspicious. I thought it was coming from Clutch. Um, I thought they were trying to drive Ben Simmons stuff. But then you watch everything that's happened with the Nets the last two weeks and the breadcrumbs starting to drop and Harden missing games for random weird injuries and that four point game he had the other day. And then, you know, more and more people are talking. And I I think at some point, when did you start to think this was, 
not just smoke being blown around that we actually had a brush fire. What day was it? Yeah, it was around the time of that report you're mentioning, the Jake Fisher report on Bleacher Report. Uh, and I think it was Zach Lowe last month in December. Zach had mentioned like the, the rumblings of it, but at that point it didn't seem real. It, it probably wasn't until a week or so ago or two weeks ago um, that I felt like, oh, this actually has a shot at happening. And, and the thing is, Bill, it makes sense to me. Like it makes sense for Ben Simmons to be if you if you're Brooklyn and you feel like Harden might actually walk this summer or you have any reason to believe that he might walk, and yeah. we don't know that he's talked to the front office yet. But if he does indicate for any reason he might leave this offseason, if you get Ben Simmons there, that's a that's a great fit next to a potential full time Kyrie Irving at some point later this year with Kevin Durant. They love to switch screens on defense. He can be a facilit- facilitator for them in the half court. It makes sense for me. For Brooklyn to want Ben Simmons is my point here. That's that's why I kind of started to feel okay. I see the logic in Brooklyn doing this. All right, counterpoint. The last time we saw Ben Simmons, he was basically in the fetal position during the Atlanta Hawks playoff series, and then has decided not to play since. And we have no idea what's going on with his head and where he's at and what kind of conditioning he is and all that stuff. I think the upside of Simmons and the ceiling of him as a player. We're penciling that in as a reality. And I, I mean, I mean, how is that a safer bet than what we've seen from James Harden the last year? I have no idea what to expect from Simmons as a player. You're right. On paper, he would solve a lot of issues for them. He'd give them a transition game. He'd give them a defender who could defend every position. He doesn't need the ball. You'd still be able to revolve around KD and Kyrie for the scoring. Like I get all that, but what Ben Simmons am I getting? Have it like what intel have you had? This is now we're in month nine of him basically disappearing nothing that matters i haven't heard any intel that would indicate that ben simmons is going to come right back and and be a all nba talent um but i'm not sure how much even if we were hearing that those rumblings like if shams drops a a source story that ben simmons is eager to come back and and ready to you know commit to winning a championship in brooklyn i don't think that matters Uh, like you don't know what you're going to get necessarily but what i do know with simmons is that some of the stuff, like the shot criticism saying he's soft or like the stuff that we've actually seen on the court, him not shooting, the reluctance to even do stuff outside of what, his own comfort zone, passing the ball to Thibel in that game, that six against the Hawks. I mean, yeah. I think with him, with Brooklyn, if you're playing with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and you've got like Joe Harris facing the floor and the guys they have on that team, I'm not sure some of the Ben Simmons flaws actually matter that much because of yeah. the, the offensive responsibility is going to be handled by those guys. If you're Simmons, all that matters is him fully embracing what they need him to do. And that's the type of stuff that he was never able to do in Philadelphia because in Philly, they never had a point guard that can shoot threes like Kyrie Irving. Nobody's had a guy like Kevin Durant who can do what he does with Simmons in Brooklyn. What it would be is be the defender that you've been in Philly for years, an elite defender, a potential defensive player of the year candidate, and then it's set screens, it's run the offense in transition, it's cut to the rim, and maybe, I mean, who knows, maybe he would at this point spot up and shoot threes, but I don't think that's even a necessity when he's surrounded by the guys that he would be for the Nets. And for Brooklyn, I don't know how much more they'd get than Ben Simmons. Maybe you'd well, So that's the thing, one. yeah. What, what else is in this trade? Well, so my, my understanding is that from a Philadelphia standpoint, like in that Shams article, he mentioned – 
well, what more is Philly going to give? Are they going to give Tyrese Maxey? Are they going to give Matisse Thybul? What first-round picks are they going to give? My understanding is that from Philadelphia's standpoint, there's no chance they give up Maxey. Thybul even is probably is unlikely in that deal. It would more, be more like an older player like a Danny Green in that situation. And for the Nets, ooh, um, ooh, I mean, oh boy, like that—that's the risk <laughs> there for Brooklyn. Because if you ultimately, though, the key here, Bill. The key is what James Harden tells the Nets. If Harden yeah. indicates to the Nets that he'll likely walk or will walk, that's what's going to determine what Brooklyn can reasonably ask for. Because if there's any indication that Harden will go this summer, Philadelphia is not going to give up two first-round picks and Thibel and a protected first. That just wouldn't happen. And in that situation here, um, we don't know all the details yet. But Harden, well, Harden hold on. There's one more piece, though. From what you've seen from James Harden now for a year and a half, is he worth the the big price that Brooklyn paid for him to begin with? Probably not, right? No, like he's never gotten into fully in shape, and you know, I I just don't think he's a top ten player anymore. Now you could argue he's just been in a weird situation, but how was it that weird of a situation? Like he did get to play with the healthy Kevin Durant. Um, he didn't show up for training camp in shape. And yeah, the Kyrie thing is is weird. But, you know, in the Boston playoff series last year, those three guys together, we we were wondering if this was potentially the greatest offensive team of all time. You know, so it's it's just hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that everybody has just decided. If we're to believe some of this stuff and if we're to believe Harden wants out that everybody's just like, yeah, this didn't work. Like, like when did NBA players become like, you know, like my daughter and her friends where it's just like, <laughs> you're just bouncing around and I, I like this guy. Now I don't like it. NBA players are like this now. It's bizarre. I mean, with Harden though, c- can't you kind of understand though? I mean, he he's proven he'll do anything it takes to get where he wants to get to. He pushed his way out of Houston. Yeah. He hired the sports agency Wasserman and then dumped them as soon as he got to Brooklyn. That helped facilitate his exit from Houston. And now in right. Brooklyn, he comes here and he's expected to, to be able to not carry the load like he had to do for years in Houston. Now Kyrie's a part-time player because he's not getting vaccinated in New York yep. still requires vaccinations to play in an arena. And Kevin Durant is out right now with a sprained MCL. And I mean, who knows? Like we'll see how much that could limit Katie the rest of the year. If you're Harden, there has to be some appeal in going to Philadelphia Forget about the people he knows there. Forget about Michael Rubin being an owner and forget about Maury and Tad Brown. From a basketball standpoint, Harden, if, you, if you're looking at playing with Joel Embiid in the spacers, like Seth Curry in the backcourt, playing with a guy like that, to me, that would have a lot of appeal to be in that situation from a basketball standpoint, forgetting about everything else rather than dealing with some of the drama in Brooklyn. Like, don't, well, I mean, don't you feel that way? Even a little bit? Go back to Harden, though. And, and, you know, you're on this. I just don't think he's the same guy that he was two years ago. And especially like when, you know, those two years when they really came close to winning the title. What am I getting? How do I know that he fits with Embiid? Because to me, that's a pretty weird fit. Because I think Harden, you know, is there's really a one-man show. Everybody stand around and watch me aspect to how he plays you know and if he's facilitator point guard which we've seen him in transition he's fun to watch but Embiid you know he's 
playing at the highest level he's ever played. And now I'm putting Hart in there who doesn't move if he doesn't have the ball. Is that a problem with Embiid? I don't know. Like, I just don't think it's a slam dunk where you just go, oh, yeah, you put these two together. Watch out. It might be. But from the Harden we've seen the last two years and the fact that Embiid, I, honestly, I think this is the kind of team he has now, even though it's definitely limited from a from a ceiling, from a talent standpoint, it does fit him better. It's all around him, right? Everything is geared toward him and him doing stuff. And he's, you know, the alpha, for lack of a better word. And now you're bringing Harden into that. Is Harden going to be happy? We've seen Harden, like, really get unhappy multiple times the last few years. So he's going to be happy with, with Embiid? And is Embiid going to be happy giving up the steering wheel half the time? Like, I just don't think that part's a slam dunk, especially with all the assets you'd have to give. And I, I, I just, the way Harden's handled the last couple of weeks really makes me nervous if I'm the Sixers. And this is my one chance to, you know, cash in for Embiid, right? Is this the best I can do? I guess is my question. In, in, term, in terms of the last few weeks, how he's handled it, what, what do you mean by that? Like with the injuries that have stopped, like, like just small little things? Yeah, like, all right, so the stuff comes out two weeks ago. Why didn't he just say something? Why didn't he shut it down? Why didn't he say like, hey, I made, I made an effort to come here a year ago. Hey, you know, this is, I came here to play with KD, my friend. I, I don't know where this noise is coming from, but I'm a net, I want to be here. There's a reason I chose the Nets. He didn't really do that. And then you see the six game losing streak and they just seem really dysfunctional. And it's hard for me to believe all this stuff's not related, right? Do we think Kevin Durant and Kyrie, but especially Kevin Durant, would sign off on a, a Harden Simmons thing? Like based off what you've, you've recorded, fifteen podcasts of Kevin Durant. <laughs> you, you know the guy. <laughs> well, <laughs> I will say he, he does like flow and movement, <laughs> but I think, I think, uh, I don't know. I thought when watching that Celtics series last year, it sure seemed like that team was going to be pretty incredible. So it's hard for me to say this didn't work. I the Kyrie piece is the piece, right? This is all all the dysfunction that he brought to the situation this year. Um, maybe that was too much for James. I don't know. I mean, maybe James, he didn't want to play with him. Harden did have that what seemed like a joke recently. He's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna put I'm gonna give him the shot myself. Right. You know, he walks off the podium and it seems like a ha ha very funny joke, but maybe it's actually, it's embedded in like some serious frustration. Like really this guy just can't get vaccinated and I have to right. carry the load and be tired by April, May, June. That's the one thing I feel like you're right. You're right about Harden and Philly. It's not a guarantee and it's not a guarantee because the version of James Harden that we saw this season is not the MVP or even like the no brainer, all NBA guy. He's just not that this season. Did you think he should have made the all-star team? Because I did, I thought two weeks ago, yes. And then when they named all the all-stars last night, I actually thought he shouldn't have made it. I thought, I I thought there were better guys that got left out than how, than the up and down season that he's had. I would not have put him on. Like Drew Holiday. Guys like that. Maybe. Or 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 Jared Allen. Somebody. Yeah. Jared Allen, hundred percent. Somebody from Charlotte, like Bridges and Lamelo, they've been balling all year. They don't they don't take games off. They didn't show up out of shape. Like I I was I thought Harden should be in the All Star team, but I really regretted thinking that after wouldn't, the last two weeks. Wouldn't it have been funny if Jared Allen did make the All Star game over James Harden? <laughs> oh my God, yeah. But you think like all right, 
from the Nets perspective, we have no idea when KD's coming back. No. So he could come back next week. He could be fine. He could also, this could, who knows? We haven't really heard that much about it. It's you, like Davis all of a sudden showed up for the Lakers. He was fine. Yeah, I went to the game last night. He looked awesome. So maybe that'll be Durant. Um, but for now, we have Joe Harris seems like he might be out for the year. We have not seen Durant. Kyrie only plays part-time. It doesn't seem like they're changing the vaccination piece. And if you're Brooklyn, maybe you're thinking this isn't your year. And you get Simmons, you try to rehab him. You get a ton of assets back to kind of replenish what you gave up to Houston. And you still have a puncher's chance, like, once we get to the playoffs, if Durant's healthy, who knows? But I, I'm more bullish on this trade for them than I, than I was two weeks ago because, man, that Harden number, to, to the thought of giving him an extension and not knowing, like, where he's going to be mentally or physically two years from now, that really makes me nervous. Right. There's a scenario here where how, how many years I love Embiid, as you know, I did a whole thing on my podcast last week. I have no idea if he's going to be able to stay on the court three years from now. You know, like the, the history of big guys is a little sketchy. And then the Harden piece, I don't know either. So if you're Philly, you're going all in on two guys who <laughs> just aren't sure things the same way like Giannis, I'm penciling in. Uh, Jokic, I'm penciling in. You know, John Morant, that makes me a little more nervous because the way he plays, right? But you, you have to think long-term, like, how safe of a bet is so-and-so? And Harden and Bede together, it's, it's, it's definitely a gamble. There's no question. Well, and, that, and that's also why for Philadelphia here, despite the fact that they might, they might feel that they could wait until the offseason and get Harden for less than they could right now. Um, yeah. For them, well, if you do that, you're wasting an MVP season by Joel Embiid. Like he is right. ludicrous this year. He's one of the best bigs that we've seen this century. And if you're going to waste that just to get, just to maybe get James Harden for a bit cheaper, that that seems in some ways um, like you're not not respecting what you have this year in Joel Embiid, like with what you could be. And, and with Harden, there's no guarantee it works. But bring in those players that like what what was the line Maury had four years ago? He talks about I don't know increase uh, your risk profile. I think he told that to ESPN. You know we want to yeah. raise our risk profile. You have Harden and Embiid. Your upside is enormous, and the downside could be low. But the upside with those two guys playing together, they could beat you in any single way, any single game, depending on the series, the personnel on the floor. You could play a more perimeter-oriented style through pick and roll. You could play with isos. You can play with the low posts. I mean, those guys together could be an absolute dominant force in the half court when the game slows down in the fourth quarter of postseason games. That's the upside if those guys work out. And I, I think like it's one of the rare trades that could actually be mutually beneficial for both teams. With Brooklyn, they get, like you said, you're extending the window. You're getting a younger guy, three years left on the contract. He can screen, defend, facilitate, do all the stuff Blake Griffin did last year and was important to that team before he mm. fell off a cliff. And with Philly, for all the reasons I just stated, I mean, to me, like it makes a lot of sense on paper for both teams. That that's that's my main feeling that I have about the situation here. Despite how big of a deal it is, it makes sense on paper. And I agree with you. And with it, it, on paper, with the caveat of we have no idea what we're getting from Ben Simmons. But then the other caveat is 
this is a terrible outcome for Brooklyn if this is how it ends, unless the picks are just out of control. Which they that, might not be, you know, like we talked about earlier. Because they gave up all this stuff. They got Durant to sign the extension. They gave up all this stuff, and it seemed like they did the right thing, right? They're going to always be in the luxury tax. They'll always have enough money to do whatever, et cetera, et cetera. But now, I don't, whatever this Harden trade ends up being, it won't be as bad as all the picks they sent to Houston. And then on top of it, you're, you have to worry about, you know, that your fans having PTSD with they all of a sudden you have all these first round draft picks out, but you don't have a sure thing team anymore. So you're banking on Simmons who, as, as we just watched, disappeared because his coach was mean to him and they tried to trade him and he didn't play well in a playoff series and we haven't seen him since. So I, that's like a healthy amount of pressure for him versus going to Portland, right? Like if, and sadly, I think Dame is really, I think he's probably out for the year. So I think Dame for Simmons is probably off the table, but like if, if Simmons goes to Portland or Indiana, that's like the perfect place for him to get his feet under him again as a player that I think we both like going to Brooklyn. You're back in the fire, man. How, How is that less pressure than Philly? It's less pressure because you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie up for at least half the games on your side. And they're the ones facilitating. They're the ones running the offense primarily. For Ben Simmons, when he was in Philadelphia, it would be, you know, like who else is going to do it? They didn't have anybody else last year that could take on that responsibility. And I think in that sense, that does alleviate pressure off of Ben Simmons. Of course, you still have the expectation of winning, and championship expectations, mm. but but there is a difference between playing for the Nets than playing for the Knicks. There is a difference there, undeniably. I mean, regardless of how hardcore of a Nets fan you are, you know, I might be listening to us right now. There's a difference in terms of pressure, media coverage, reaction to games where you screw up. Uh, I'd say in Philadelphia, for that matter, like there's a dramatic difference in the way that team is covered compared to the Nets. So I, I, I definitely think pressure would be alleviated for him. In Brooklyn, I, I'm a little less worried about that, Bill. To be honest with you, like with Ben Simmons, yeah. the Ben Simmons concerns that I've had since before the draft with his shooting ability, shooting with the wrong hand, like the mental yeah. makeup stuff that Draft Express had written about at the time pre-draft. That matters in like 20 situations, but there are a handful where it doesn't as much. And I think Brooklyn's one of them. I really do. So Kyrie, it, all roads kind of lead back to Kyrie, right? Never yeah. Kyrie's fault, but the, the dysfunction is just always there. Just coincidentally, whatever, whatever team he's on, which is pretty crazy. But do you think, <laughs> do you think Harden, is there any other team for him? Just, just thought exercise. Like, any let's say he team. really wants out. He's, he told Brooklyn, I don't want to sign this. Is there another team that could trump whatever Philly's thing is? Because really that's the best way for, 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 Brooklyn to get what they would probably want in a Harden trade. You need the second suitor. Sure. It's just them negotiating with Philly. That becomes a lot harder, especially if Philly feels like, hey, Harden doesn't want to be there anymore. We're in the driver's seat now. You're going to lose him this summer. And that, we'll that, figure out a way to get him on our team this summer. So huh. is there anyone else out there that could just be like, <laughs> out of nowhere, we're in. Like, could the Celtics be in on this? Just, just throwing that out there. <laughs> and would you want them to be in this? You hit your quota, Bill. <laughs> no, wouldn't it? Would it uh, but but you're it, right. You're you're right though. Like somebody could step up. 
could Somebody Washington could. could Washington be in this? Well, I, I don't know why you could they raise anything. their hand and say, hey, here's Bradley Beal. Let's start with this. And, <laughs> well, well, they're in the desperate category for sure. Yep. You know, like a very desperate team. Like, well, first, let's consider that the teams on Harden's list a couple of years ago when the trades happened was Milwaukee, Miami, Brooklyn and Philly. So those mm. are the four teams. Milwaukee's not trading for him now. Miami, I don't think that they have the pieces. Duncan Robinson would be in that deal. But I don't think they have the pieces that yeah, Trump it's gonna be a really no. can. Yeah, it's just not enough. But other than that, I mean, I think Boston is a, is a team that you could throw onto that lump. The Wizards, if they were desperate, I don't think the Knicks have the pieces for it, though I would love from a – Storyline perspective of Harden goes to free agency and he goes to the Knicks. That would be just be kind of cool if that were to happen. Um, yeah. In the East, Pistons went in at the bottom. Magic went in. In the West, I, I don't like I don't, Memphis. No way. Yeah, no, no chance. Utah doesn't have the assets, and I don't think they would do that anyway. Dallas. What's <laughs> or that, James Harden report. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Like, what's happening there? It's just not realistic. Denver, Dallas, no. probably not. Minnesota, yeah, no. Minnesota, tough. no. Clippers don't have the assets. Lakers, impossible. Unless for some reason Sean Marks loves Russell Westbrook. Blazers, no. Pelicans, would, why would they risk that? They're yeah, just gonna why would Harden go months. there? And why and would Harden go to Boston? Why yeah, would he go to Washington? Spurs, so, Kings, Thunder. I mean, there's just limited destinations. Yeah, but if you're in you're Boston, this is your division. You're throwing your hat in the ring just to just to fuck with the process, right? Like, oh, we, we want in on this, and it, you you're trying to just drive the price up. You just want you want collateral damage all over the place. So you're like, oh, you know, we'll talk Jalen Brown and some picks, and what are you thinking? Like, you got to play that out if you're Boston. What do, do you, you want? Do you want the Nets to get more though? If you're Boston. Or do, or do I don't know what I don't get screwed. No, what I don't want is for Philly to basically steal Harden for like Ben Simmons and a couple of pick swaps. I think that's the worst case scenario for the Celtics where you, you want Philly to have to dent their team a little bit if they're going to get this guy. And then you think like, think of all the stuff Philly was going to give up for him a year ago, you know, and what, what would it, it would have been Ben Simmons and, at least four or five first round picks plus Maxi plus Thibel or one of Maxi and Thibel, right? And now it's probably 70% of what they were willing to give up a year ago. They weren't going to win the title last year anyway. So this about, worked out great for them. How about Atlanta? This might be a stupid one because they have Trey Young. Ooh. But, but uh, there, there was some stuff out there this past week with at least Portland offering them like CJ. So with Atlanta, yeah. they, they could use another ball handling presence on that team. Behind Trey, That's, with Trey with and James Trey. Harden together is how, how are you competing with that? <laughs> I mean, seriously. That's the other thing with Philly. It's like how can how can Thibault be in a Harden trade? Who is playing defense on Philly? You're gonna have James Harden and Seth Curry and Maxi, and who's guarding? Yeah. Who's guarding any swing guy? Who's guarding like Jason Tatum? Which is why Danny Green is likely the guy in that situation. Unless they could get away with giving Cork Maz or Niang, but. Philly does need to give something else uh, else up in the deal. Like you can't you can't just give up Ben Simmons. There needs well, do to you be think a salary in there. The Nets have a like a catastrophic salary uh, luxury tax, right? Mm-hmm. Aren't they like at the, one of the highest of all time? Yes. So if they're high. trading Harden, I'm sure part of this would have to be Philly's got to take more salary in some form. Like I don't see them just being like, "Cool, we'll take Danny Green." 
Like, if anything, I think Philly would have to absorb contracts from the Brooklyn side to knock down the Brooklyn tax bill. I mean, that's why the Portland trade happened today, right? They called the Clippers and they're like, hey, take Norman Powell. By the way, that wasn't the only team they called. Like, the Knicks were down the road with that too. They didn't want to take Bledsoe's contract. But I think Norman Powell is getting floated around just to get under the luxury tax. So I wonder, does like Joe Sy even care about the luxury tax? I mean, uh, what is it, Alibaba stock? Uh, right. But at some point, way, you way, care. Way down, like, way down the past year. <laughs> yeah. At some point, if you're paying $125 million in luxury tax plus your payroll for a team that's going to lose in round one and might not have Durant healthy for all we know, like you're going to care about that a little bit. You know, it's, uh, uh, you know what else is amazing about this? Think of the Nets a few years ago, right? When they, they rose from the dead, they lost all their picks. And, you know, being scrapped it together with this team of like also rants and pickups from other teams and like the D'Angelo Russell types and the Kenny Atkinson. And all of a sudden they were like in the playoffs. It was like, what an amazing story. The Nets, they're really building. Now <laughs> it's like, what is the Nets culture now? It's, it's Durant who's hurt. It's Kyrie who's, you know, the most erratic guy in the league of any star. It's Harden who wants out and a bunch of, old guys and minimum players and Patty Mills. And that's your team. It's, it's like a complete 180. I mean, w- winning, winning a championship is the goal, but yep. winning a championship does not mean having the most fun being part of a team or, yep. you know, watching a team and rooting for a team. Cause you're right. Just a couple of years ago, the Nets had all these feel good vibes, a great young roster cap space. Played. We got oh cap space for two max guys. This is going to be yeah, great. The, the, the potential is everything. And then you get those guys and it turns into where we are today. I mean, yeah, they pay, the, they paid the rant who they knew wasn't going to play for a year. Mm-hmm. They, which I think was the right move, but the rant's like, you got to take Kyrie. The great Kyrie's awesome. We'll take him. <laughs> and it's just, I, I think that's one of the craziest outcomes. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20 for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. This episode is brought to you by Nissan. 
Level up your next four-wheeled adventure with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder, built to navigate you to some of Earth's most awe-inspiring spots with seven drive modes and all the power you need. Get the thrill of the drive in every moment of your journey with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Should we talk about Portland quickly? Yeah, let's talk about Portland. What's on your mind with them? So they got under the tax. They dumped Powell, who I think, you know, Rob Mahoney was on my podcast this week and was saying that was one of his favorite trade pieces because he's somebody we know can play in a playoff series, right? And can defend different guys. And he's definitely a heat check guy. He can shoot threes. I, the Clippers were not the team I expected to end up with Norman Powell. And I'm trying to figure out what the Clippers are doing here because they're in the middle of the pack. It, they was stuff today about about Kawhi. When's he coming back? Will he come back? Might not come back. Probably not coming back. Paul George needs more rest. I don't feel like he's coming back either. So is it just a case of, hey, this is an asset. Let's grab it. Or do they feel like if we could just get to the spring as like a five, six seed, maybe Paul George comes back. Maybe Kawhi can, you know, by round two could be at like 98%. Like who knows? I don't understand it. I think they should have made the deal, but I'd love to know what the logic was other than that's a great asset for us. Let's grab it. So with the Clippers side, my short answer is I'm not sure. The the longer answer is I'm not sure because they're not done yet. Uh, there's a lot of stuff out there about Luke Kennard um, hmm. being involved in trade talks at the moment. Um, like with them, I just don't think they're done yet. And until the dust settles, it's going to be kind of hard to know. But I, I think regardless of them returning, they're just trying to build the best roster that they possibly can around those guys. I mean, like they're, they're going to be in a situation now where they can, they can put out a lineup of Batum, Covington, Powell, Kawhi, and Paul George. Like that could be a five-man lineup where you can mm. like, think about what they did to the Jazz last year with their ability to switch everything and space the floor, that's five guys who can all switch screens and defend multiple positions and shoot threes. And besides Covington, make plays off the bounce. I mean, like that, like the potential there for whenever Kawhi and Paul George return, whether it's April or whether it's October, I don't know. I, I, I love the deal there. It's the Portland side where I'm a, I'm a bit confused. Uh, like they, like you said, they were having talks with other people and, um, Nothing, no, nothing of nothing of value back besides Keon Johnson. Uh, the, Keon Johnson's a, a super athletic young player. Um, but no, I, I, it was, I, it was I, a KSA. It was a salary dump. That was it. Yeah. Pure and simple. We got to get out of this contract. And he's playing pretty well right now. Let's trade him. That's that's a, that's what it was. But you gave up it's, two first round picks to get Covington. Like it's crazy. Though. I know. Well, I mean, th- when was the last time you watched Covington and thought that he was good? I mean, he's he's maybe four years. <laughs> I mean, like Bla- Blazers fans got duped last year when that, when that deal happened. They were told, "Well, we're getting a lockdown defender." No, 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 no. Covington's great off ball. On ball, he's very average or below average, and he can't score anymore. He's falling off there. I've never gotten it, and I know, like in the advanced metric community, there were people loved him. Corral Bob and I used to argue about it. I just never understood it. I, w- I remember when they played the Celtics, what was that, four years ago? Going to those games and just hoping he would shoot as a Celtics fan. Like the, the more he was involved in Philly's offense, the better it was for us. And now it seems like he's, de- he's declined even more. I, I think 
to have somebody like that who just can't shoot, you better be in an awesome situation. Like I heard, uh, I heard you and Verno with the, with the real ones guys, which was really entertaining. I enjoyed it. Verno was really, I think, did we drug test him after that podcast? He, he was wired. He, he, was, he um, was on fire. He was on fire. He was about as, <laughs> as gregarious as I've ever heard him, but his, his, <laughs> His stuff about Jaron Jackson, how he unlocked different Grizzlies guys, I thought was great, especially Brandon Clark, who looked like a bum last year, right? Mm-hmm. He was he looked good two years ago. Last year, he looked like a bum. And this year, he looks awesome again. And it's because Jaron Jackson, like, you know, putting them next to each other, now Brandon Clark makes sense. I've never, I haven't seen a lot of situations where Covington makes sense. You know, in the league we have now, to just have a guy who you just, teams are leaving open. Well, I think I think the Clippers are one of those teams. Maybe like that, that's a similar like what that lineup I just mentioned: Covington, uh, Batum, Kawhi, George, Powell. That's yeah, sim- similar to what here's what, what I'd put in though instead of Covington because I went. I don't know if you saw the game last night, but Ibaka looked awesome. That was the best I've seen Ibaka look in like two three years, and. I don't know if they're thinking of trading him, but the way they, they are, yeah, he's on that list of potential guys. Yeah, I, he's an expiring, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Man, I, from what I saw in person last night, I would trade for him. I think, I think he looked very Serge Ibaka-y. I was surprised. I, I thought it was over. Meanwhile, Trevor Ariza was like decomposing in the corner. I, I don't understand the Trevor Ariza thing at all. How about Avery Bradley? Did he shrivel up into oh my the ball well, yet? But what, when was last time? Ariza's another one. When was the last time he was good? Like four years ago? Three years ago? Well, how old is Ariza? Like 2018? 36 years old? 36 yeah, he's, right now? look, great career. No, no shade thrown to Trevor Ariza, but it's been over for a couple of years now. And he was playing crunch time for them last night. It, without so, a move, is there any hope for the Lakers to save the season? Without a move, no trades. All right, you know this kills me. I thought Davis looked awesome last night. He did. Davis was sensational. Like, like to me, I left that game. I was really impressed by the Clippers because they definitely have like Ty Lue is. I hate when the coach of the year wins when they're like a, it's like a 500 coach or like you know 44 and 38. You're the coach of the year, but that team really plays hard for him. Even when they and they've had some great comebacks this year, but even when they're down 20, they still fight. They remind me of like those. Brad Steven teams from the mid 2010s. Like you just, you think you'd be down 20, you wouldn't turn the TV off. But this with the clips, like I, 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 I was shocked by Davis, how dominant he seemed compared to everyone in the clips and the clips were playing well, but Davis was just clearly the best guy in the court. And he looked like old school top seven in the league, Anthony Davis. So if I'm a Laker fan, I'm I'm more encouraged than I was two weeks ago, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, all it's going to take is, well, not all it's going to take, but one of the things is just shuffling that rotation and finding your best seven yeah. or eight guys. And I think the Lakers are going to look much different from the regular season when guys are in and out of the lineup and they're playing 10 guys a night versus when they're playing eight guys in the postseason. It's just a matter of, is Frank Vogel going to keep playing Avery Bradley 20 plus minutes a night? You would oh hope my not. God. I mean, you would hope it's going to be more Austin Reeves. It's but can they get a buyout like guy? That. Yeah. They, could they get a buyout guy? Like that's, that's likely at some point you'd think. There was one possession last night. They left Ariza. He was, I think the most open I've ever seen anyone in a half court offense in an NBA game. There was, he was in the right corner and there was nobody within like 11 feet of him. 
And, like they weren't even considering him. It was like watching in football if he just decided not to cover the wet receiver. Uh, and he was just what, and they, that was it. And the Lakers weren't going to pass to him either. So, you know, they need to put more shooting around Davis, but physically and athletically, that was the best I've seen him look since, I don't know, the bubble. So I, I thought he was going to be banged up all year. Didn't see that. But now there's LeBron stuff where it's like, who knows when he's coming back and his knee. And, you know, they put a lot of miles on an old guy to try to stay above 500. And what are they? They're three games under now. But 25 and 28. Yeah, I wouldn't. Would you want to see them in a playing game if Davis is going to look like he did last night? No. <laughs> so <Hell> no. <laughs> yeah. No so could he have like an Embiid run where he just for three weeks is just putting up 35 and 15. Like, absolutely. So, yeah. So in, from the Portland side, the Nurkic piece to me is the one. I think he's playing really well too. Like that's somebody he's pretty reasonable contract. You just throw him into the season on a contender right now. And that's a pretty interesting piece for somebody. And then McCollum, who I think they're going to have a lot of trouble to trade because of his salary. Um, I'll be, I'd be interested to see how that, where that goes. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's Atlanta, but you know, so what's that like Bogdanovich and a contract for CJ, something like that. Yeah, maybe, m- maybe like something involving a John Collins. Collins is, is being involved in a lot of places now hearing about him with Portland, Sacramento, Dallas, Dallas, especially. Um, they like to pair <sighs> him with Chris Apps, Porzingis. Um, I think that Dallas. Do you like CJ at that price? The price of John Collins and like no, just the price of paying CJ like thirty three million dollars a year. No, not at all. But he's I, don't, a I don't like it either. I mean, he is a bucket though. He just he's not a good defensive player. He's he hasn't developed in the way you would have hoped for as a playmaker. But that dude can score. And he's I, I get it. But postseason for thirty two million a year, like I can hope. I hope he can score. Yeah, you know, I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't. I don't love it. But it's it a lot like of a, money. It all depends on your team situation. I think with Atlanta, the stuff the stuff about him, you know, potentially being dealt there, that was before this recent run that they were on. And, yeah. And in and, and that way, like I wonder if things change there. There's probably not a lot of I teams. I wouldn't trade him. There's not there's not a lot of teams that would want CJ McCollum at thirty years old, making thirty plus million dollars, can't defend, not a playmaker. There's not many destinations for him either which is weird to say considering how long he's been a good productive player. But I don't know. I, I think with this year, it's, it's tough to find fits for yeah. some of the guys that we're talking about right now. And well, not so COVID it's COVID's made the lineups weird. Like if I'm Atlanta, I'm nervous about trading a Collins when I haven't seen enough of him next to Congo and Congo has come on big time, right? That's a big reason yeah. they've started to win. And him and Collins make sense together, like as a combo. Now I don't, I certainly wouldn't mess that up so I could have another shooting guard who can't really guard anybody. You know, I, 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 my guess with CJ is I don't think it's Atlanta. I don't either, but you know, there's a, there's some team that will talk themselves into him and it'll be a two for one. It'll save Portland money and they'll get something out of it. They, the, the trade that America needs is the Julius Randle for De'Aaron Fox trade. Let's just call that in. Does America care about trade. that deal? Does, does America care about that one? No, they don't care, but it's the perfect trade. It's like, I don't know what to do with this guy. And the Kings are like, we don't know what to do with this guy. And she's like, all right, one for one. It's who, perfect. Who should, who should give up their first round pick for Eric Gordon? 
Cleveland. Right? Yeah, I think Cleveland's one of them. How about um how about my team? Hmm. That 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 that'd be interesting. The 14th pick right now, middle of the first round. That's what they want. Like I I've heard and it, this is something I don't know if this is true, but Houston is telling teams that they have a late first round pick on the table for Eric Gordon. So they, they should. Just something better. He's good. Let, let's I would say hope that, they do. Let's say that's true, and they do. Late firsts include from 20 to 30. Dallas, maybe. Cleveland well, at 22. Dallas Memphis. getting him would be a miracle for them. Yeah. I don't. Dallas and Houston don't trade with each other. I, 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 don't, I don't, don't see that. Memphis has the 23rd and the 28th pick right now. Milwaukee, 24. Philly, Memphis 25. Memphis isn't messing with this team. Cleveland's yeah. the team. Yeah. I, I think Cleveland's a team at 22. I, maybe maybe Miami, Chicago, 26, 27. Why not Golden State, 29? I don't know if they have the salary up the top of my head for an Eric Gordon, but I don't know. Like, I, if they do get a late first for him, Cleveland, to me, is the, the number one team that makes sense there. He'd be perfect next to Darius Garland in that backcourt. Well, if you're Boston, do you start looking at the East and getting ideas? Because did you see, I mentioned this Mahoney when we did our pod, 538, my Celtic fan friends were excited about this. 538 had the Celtics with as realistic of a chance to make the finals as the Warriors. Because the East is such a mess. <laughs> we were like, wait, wait, is this real? But if you add one more score to that team, so they always have two scorers on the court at all times, with the fact that Time Lord has you know, been able to stay on the floor and smart has found a little bit of a rhythm as the playmaker. And, and you put Gordon with the team we're watching right now. I don't know. Start, starting to tuck myself into getting my, uh, getting my guts kicked in when they lose in the first round. I'm, I'm letting my guard down. <laughs> I mean, I think with the East, Milwaukee is the team, like you said, you're penciling them in for being there in the future. You're also yeah. penciling them in to be there, you know, late in the playoffs. But other than that, what if Embiid tweaks his ankle or hurts his knee? Miami's had a bunch of guys in and out of the lineup all year. The Nets, we've talked about their issues. The Hawks have been up and down. Bulls yeah. have some guys in and out. Those it's five thirty, those five, it's it is open. But for Boston, on the, to have five thirty eight, have them ahead of the Bulls and ahead of like I just right. blows my ahead of the Nets. For that matter, for there's some really good advanced weird. advanced stats with the with the Celts. The other thing is the schedule is lined up really nicely the next week or so. Like as as we've joked about, they've never won more than three games all season in a row. This is actually set up now. Like they play Brooklyn on Tuesday. Not all of those guys might. It's in Brooklyn. All of those guys might not be in that game for Brooklyn. You know, they play Detroit tonight. No, Cade Cunningham. So you could see the Celtics. All of a sudden at like 36 and 27, something like that, with people going, oh, okay. Um, have you heard any Jalen Brown trade rumors at all? Nothing. No, okay. I haven't. Have you? No. Um, you say no, but not like a, like a no. That was a no, there could be something type of thing. Was that, that's all I heard that now. No, I just, I don't know what the Celtics are up to. I can't, I can't get a feel for it. I think Tatum's the only like true untouchable. But as the, I'm just monitoring the Beal situation and knowing how scared franchises are of not keeping their superstar happy and 
the relationship of Tatum and Beal. And I just like, I can never say with a hundred percent certainty that Jalen Brown is a Celtic. Like it's frustrating, but you're not giving up Jalen Brown for Bradley Beal though. You don't do that. No, don't do that. That would would be madness, especially with the way Bradley Beal's playing this year. You know, that's how I feel, but you know, we've seen teams tater to, I, I just get nervous. No way. I just want them to come out. You you know, you you know what you do? You wait until the off season when he, he forces a sign and trade to Boston to play with Tatum. That, that's what you do. And then it screws the Wizards. That's why the, that's why the Wizards. The Wizards should be looking to deal Beal now. I would be terrified if I'm Tommy Shepard and that Wizards front office. I would be terrified that Bradley Beal this offseason says, you know what? I don't want the five-year max. I want to be signed and traded to Boston or to New York or wherever it might be. Right. Because you don't have any leverage at that point. You're, you're like Philadelphia when they lost Jimmy Butler to Miami and they get Richardson back in return. There's nothing you can do in that situation. And who's to say that if you're Washington, maybe you don't even want to pay Bradley Beal the five-year Supermax. Wizard, like we talked about this the other day, Joe House, Wizards fans, they don't want to give yeah. Bradley Beal that money at this point. No. There's got to be people within that Wizards front office who feel the same way that have power and influence on the decisions you know, that are made. That could be a McCollum team. Hmm. Well, Beal, Beal and, and Lillard did connect at the Olympics before Beal had a go. No, I'm saying keep Beal and you trade for McCollum and you do something that reduces Portland's salary stuff even more. And you do like a two for one or a three for one. You have uh, you put a guy, Denny in there, whatever, whatever, but you kind of reboot a little bit, but not really. And with the Beal McCollum two power scoring thing, I don't know. I thought you were saying Beal in a deal for McCollum. And then you pair up, uh, pair up Beal with Bullard in Portland with their that, new thing I, they get going on. Yeah, I can't. They've got to get a real thing. They can't give Beal up for somebody who's not like a top 40 guy, right? Like I mean, if I'm trading Beal, I'm getting at least Sabonis back. Well, unless or Sabonis a, is coming back in a three-teamer and I'm getting Sabonis. What, what if As, it turns into a picks-heavy package? I don't know. Washington's in no man's land. And... You know, we all we all took turns with the Washington jerk circle the first two weeks of the season. It's pretty embarrassing to go back to some of those <laughs> yeah. takes. Oh, Washington. What what's on Sal Jr., coach of the oh year candidate? Look at this look at his rotations. And it's like it's it's been a shit show. And then it's like, oh Montres Harrell, somebody's unhappy with him again. Like that seems to be a recurring theme. How many unhappy teams are we up to with him? And then Dinwiddie, who how bad is his contract? I can't remember. I mean, it's it's like around twenty million average for the next three oh. years. Oh, so, yeah. Yeesh. And he looks so horrible. It was, you know, it was always illuminating that the Nets made no real interest in trying to keep him. When, from a tax standpoint, they actually—I mean, from a right standpoint, they actually could have potentially had some advantages, right? But they were good. They were like, no, no, go ahead, you go. Anyway. Yeah. Yep. All right, we covered everything? I, I think we did. I think we covered it all, Bill. That was fun. All right, so we think yes or no, yes or no. And now we're up to over 5,000 listeners, it says. Look at that. Wow. We appreciate that. all you people out there. That's nice. I think the cap yeah, is 5,000. Yes oh, yeah. or no, gun to your head, is James Harden on the Sixers next week? Yes. I think yes, too. It I makes think I'm too going much yes. I, I, this is such a loss for me. 
I had two weeks ago, I had the tweets like, where the fuck is this coming from? This is, this is clear propaganda. Now it's like, wow, James Harden's going to be in the Sixers. It makes too much sense on paper for both teams, considering the off-court stuff, the, the, the contract situations, and the basketball standpoint, as we covered here, Bill. I think it makes too much sense not to happen for both teams. I'm looking at the chat. Somebody said, Jalen Brown for Halliburton, Harrison Burns, and the number one. Huh. What do you think about that? If, if you're Celtics GM right there, you, you get a call from the Kings offering that. That's from JC that's a, in the Chelsea. That's, that's interesting. That's a lot. So you think a, about that. A, if you're the Celtics. That's a lot. You would well, think about but, it. I love Jalen Brown, but man, that's a lot. I mean, you figured could Barnes replace 70% of Brown's offense? Spot up shooting, a little little bit of creation here and there. Yeah. Good could defense. Get, yeah, because you get 18 points a game from Barnes. And then what is the upgrade? With Halliburton, and I guess that would depend on how much. Mm. I mean, if that was like an unprotected <laughs> first, but I can't, yeah. I can't imagine the Kings doing that. Then again, I don't know what the Kings are doing just in general. I, did, I thought they should trade a Harrison Barnes a year ago. The, Remember the that are, he had like a yeah. real market. He did, and then there was stuff earlier this season about them wanting to keep Harrison Barnes because um, they have a playoff mandate to make the postseason. And now you're hearing Harrison Barnes' name involved in a whole bunch of stuff out there because they're realizing he's valuable. They've offered him for, for John Collins, too. I'm just not sure exactly like what Atlanta wants for Collins. I'm not sure what, what the Kings are targeting with Barnes. It seems like he's involved with everything right now. Everything that you hear about with the Kings is Harrison Barnes related. Not even, I'm not hearing much about Fox, for that matter, at the moment. That's because he's looking for apartments in New York. Mm. Um, <laughs> man. Barnes, Halliburton, and a number one for Brown. That's a pretty good idea from JC. I like that. I think I would do that. I love Jalen Brown, but man, that's a lot. That feels like 125 cents in the dollar. Do you think Kings I, do that? I mean, you've seen it. You've seen the Halliburton games without Fox. There's he, That guy is really good. I might be too high on him. I'll, I'll fully admit it. But, uh, you know, I just think it's so hard to find actual point guards who can run teams. How many well, are there? Eight? Well, what Halliburton did in late December, he, he played six straight games, I believe, all without Fox, averaged 23 points, 10 assists to four turnovers, shot 50% from three. Like, like, it was ridiculous what he did. He just complete command of the offense. And even though the Kings lost games because they always lose games, Halliburton looked unbelievable. Looked unbelievable during that stretch, and I, like, I hope for unbelievable, like yeah. like all NBA potential. Yes, exactly, like all NBA type of guy. And and if I'm the Kings, that like I look back at that stretch and that yeah, I'm not deal. trading him. Yeah, it, it, I wouldn't trade Halliburton. Uh, Fox I would is not. the guy I would deal there. I agree. All right, a brief recap for the people who join late. KOC and I think that there's real smoke with this Harden stuff based on the fact that how erratic the last two weeks have been. All the intel. Um, that has come out some of the agendas that are pretty easy to see with some of some some of the stuff that's been floated out and how unhappy the Nets seem. So that's one. Two, we think Portland's salary dumping. Just plain and simple. There's no other explanation. We don't understand what's what the Clippers are doing, but we like it. We don't understand it. I don't think there's a master plan. We don't <laughs> fully get it, but we like it. We like Norman Powell. It feels like they just got him for free. We think Fox for Randall could happen. What else? What am I missing? Fox for Randall was the the idea that you liked, right? 
I think that's I think that's going to happen in some form. So is there any reason to believe that'll happen? Or is that like just a gut feeling type of thing? Well, you have just just to clarify for for me and for the listeners. Well, you have you have Wes with the major Kentucky guy ties, right? With the Cal Perry and all that stuff. So if anyone's going to believe in Fox of any of the other 29 teams, it's going to be the Knicks. He's a good culture guy by all accounts, like a great guy. I just don't think he's played well this year, but you could say what better person to trade for than anyone on the Kings. You're trade. Everybody is a compromised asset. You know, you're, you're buying, you're buying like a distressed asset basically. So that'd be their case. And then the Randall thing, I do not know, understand what happened to him this year, but the Knicks fans have turned on him in a, an alarming way. I, I, I almost can't believe it. He's like the least popular Nick. I mean, rightfully so. Yeah, rightfully so. The way he's performed this season, his defense fell off a cliff. He's taken poor shots, making silly decisions on the court. He can't shoot anymore. And you just paid him a bunch of money after he had an all-NBA year. And he was rightfully an all-NBA guy last year. He's just fallen off. I mean, if I I were a Knicks fan, I'd feel like I remember when Mark Blunt signed signed that new big contract. Oh, yeah. Like 15 years ago. I always hated Mark Blunt. (laughs) Yeah. My dad was so upset. I think I wrote a whole column about that back when I used my fingers work. We were like, oh, my God, we the Celtics have been duped by Mark Blunt. He played hard for six weeks and got and got like, what was it, like 50 million? It was some crazy number. You know, 60 you, said, million? you said your fingers don't work well. You should do voice to text. Voice to text <laughs> to write some articles. <laughs> Google Docs has a great feature. It I works got, well. <laughs> I've had some finger movement the last couple of weeks. Ooh, you never know. There's I mean, signs of life. Yeah, you, yeah, you, just, did, you never you, know, KSC. You did write that Embiid thing for your five. Yeah, yeah. that kind of, there was some life. There that, was some that, fingers were moving. Keys were yeah. getting pressed. That, that, that came out great. I love the video of that on your YouTube channel. Thank you. D- Dylan Berkey edited that. Yeah, Dylan Berkey, our yeah. guy. Yeah, that, that came out really great. All right, thanks for listening. We'll, we'll, let's do a, a Bill Simmons plug. Where's your YouTube channel at, Bill? Yeah, youtube.com slash Bill Simmons. And then all your channel. stuff is on youtube.com slash, slash ringer. ringer, I think it is. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, so Sunday I'm I'm doing basketball. When is your next podcast? Uh, next podcast is Tuesday, The Mismatch with Chris Vernon. All right, well, if if, if more stuff happens, we'll pop on Green Room again. This yeah, seems absolutely. significant. All right. Thanks for Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for having me, KOC. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much again for listening to the Ringer NBA show. You can catch us all over your feed this next week. You can find me on the Mismatch podcast feed every Tuesday and Friday with Chris Vernon. And then on Wednesdays on that same podcast feed, I bring on people from around the Ringer, around the NBA to talk in depth about some topics happening around the league. So be sure to check that out on the Mismatch feed and stay tuned on the Ringer NBA show. And also... Check out Spotify Green Room. We're going to be having live conversations. We get other people like Mark Stein on that app talking daily with people listening, asking questions. Spotify Green Room is a good time, and I look forward to doing more of these with Bill in the future. Thanks again.